You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 91, peer support, an interview with Stefan Pietrobrono from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada with your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. Today, we are going to discuss with Stefan the First Connection Program at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada and what the power of this program is and what this organization can do for you. So we are very excited to share with you his experience as a cancer thriver and his wealth of knowledge regarding these programs at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada with you. So we'll jump right in. Hi, Stefan. Welcome to the Soar Above Cancer podcast. We're delighted to have you here. So maybe first off, we can start with who is Stefan Pietrobono? Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Gabrielle and Alex. It's it's really a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to uh, to talking more. So uh, to answer that that question in in sort of a, a quick you know short glance is Stefan Pietroboro is live to inspire. That's essentially um, what I have become uh, throughout my journey and throughout my story. I was able to really quickly early on in life realize what my purpose is, and then that really gave me the fire to to do what I do now. Awesome. So before we dive into what you do now, uh, just tell us a little bit about your cancer experience. So I guess just how it kind of came about and, and how you dealt with it and kind of what went on in, in that circumstance. Yeah, for sure. Um, so about seven years ago, my, my, my story or my sort of diagnosis was kind of unique. I was non-symptomatic, so I didn't show any symptoms. I was an athlete all my life. Uh, I grew up being very physically active, you know, eating the right stuff. Always pretty much overall a healthy kid. And then I had a, a sort of a tumor on the side of, of my uh, clavicle, and it sort of got a little bigger over time. I obviously didn't know at the time, but uh, it got a little more worrisome. And I was like, okay, I got to definitely check this out. And essentially, that's when I was checked in with my, uh, my family doctor there, and she, did, she ran a bunch of tests. Um, and the next day, I found myself at SickKids, pretty much starting what it was, my cancer battle, pretty much. I was diagnosed uh, that day with Hodgkin's lymphoma, 3B, stage 3B. And yeah, basically, I, I did that at SickKids. Uh, I was 17 at the time. And yeah, it was, it was definitely an uphill battle. It changed my life. And I did about four, I believe it was four cycles of 21 days for chemo. And then I did about 34 sessions of radiation. That was at Princess Margaret. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you're now a peer supporter with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, the first connection program. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that program is? Yeah. Um, so ever since, um, you know, being cured, I guess you could say, um, and living my new normal, I, I right away um, said to myself that I was going to do anything in my ability to help, to contribute, to, to get back, to give back sort of thing, right? So I, I immediately connected with uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and I started actually as, uh, I was at University of Toronto, and I actually started as a team captain for the late the night. And basically, as a late the night team captain, where it's a big walk down at, uh, in downtown Toronto, we, we pass by Sick Kids and uh, Princess Margaret. It's actually a really beautiful walk at night, and everyone has their lit lanterns uh, in support. It's really beautiful. So I essentially established the team at U of T, and then that obviously got bigger and bigger as the years progressed, and I essentially had to graduate, so I passed off the torch 
to some so, to a willing volunteer who wanted to carry it out further. And, uh, and to this day, it actually still is standing about 60 to 70 members strong. And, and yeah, so ever since then, I obviously went to, I connected with Fred. Uh, he's awesome. He's at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society as well. And uh, he runs the, the First Connection uh, volunteer sort of segment there. And the connections are essentially, it's a peer support network where people are able to match themselves with uh, an individual who has overcome something that, that is similar to their diagnosis. You know, everyone's cancer journey or everyone's cancer battle is very different, but we could find similarities among, among us all. Um, and I mean, what I was hoping to see in my, in my journey was uh, someone who's been there before where I could ask those questions, uh, maybe seek some comfort and, uh, and maybe just to sort of put my head at ease in, in terms of like, am I doing the right thing? What I needed to do or, what should I expect sort of thing? That sounds like a great program. Absolutely. Yeah, and even before we, we get it, even before we get into some of the, the next questions moving on, I can attest to the light, the night that I've been a couple of times myself just walking around with the lanterns and it is, it's really exciting. I know you walk down university and there's a lot of different paths down Toronto and uh, it really is. It's overwhelming. It's a nice walk, being able to carry the lanterns around, meeting different individuals different thrivers and, uh, and, and, and volunteers and things like that. So uh, it's funny that you actually started that. That's actually really cool and, and a creative yeah. way to kind of get involved with the school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, they've actually built it out to further chapters too among Ontario. So it's pretty exciting yeah. for sure to see, uh, to see it just expand. Oh, that's for sure. So we'll dive into the next question here. Uh, can you share with us some of the impacts of a peer support program, such as the First Connections, maybe some of the interactions that you've had and some of the impact that you've seen firsthand? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's, it's kind of interesting because once I became um, cured and when I sort of finished my, um, my battle, people obviously really, they, they knew that I survived. And whenever they encountered someone that was going through a cancer battle, I, I mean, they, they were always like, you got to talk to Stefan. You, you have to, you know, you got to ask him those questions. You got to maybe talk to him, see if, if, if he could help you or if he could just like answer anything you might be like unknown to. I mean, it was, it's funny, but I actually created a, a quote throughout my ordeal. Um, a person, um, you know, something that a person doesn't experience is sort of like the unknown. You know, and when a person fears the unknown, it's hard to, to really know what's going to come. So to put yourself at ease sort of thing, I like to ask those questions to someone who's already overcome them. Since, since, I've, been, since I've been cured, I've helped, I think, like four or five people in terms of just having that personal conversation and open dialogue for people to ask those questions, you know, call me if they need. And, you know, I think it really helps in terms of just answering those questions in terms of what to expect. Um, the unknowns are really scary thing for people. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful being able to share your story with someone else who's going through it. I know I'm a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor too. And recently I was in contact with someone who's newly diagnosed, not with lymphoma, but with a cancer and, and chatting with her kind of getting her up to speed as to what to expect, I think makes a huge difference in her experience because that fear of the unknown is really scary. Big time. Next question, kind of in the same line as what you just discussed, those people that do reach out to, to you, it takes a lot of courage for them to do that. So what would you say to someone who's very much interested in the program, but might be afraid or overwhelmed of 
taking that first step. For sure. And that's a really important thing too. I mean, I think it courage is obviously a big first step. And and obviously in terms of volunteers, this is entire volunteers. So people who have been on both sides of the fence sort of thing. So people who are battling and people who have overcome. I mean, the post the post cancer feel is is a new life for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. making sure that your new life is taken care of before of before you, you help someone else, I think is really important. So obviously making sure that, you know, you just experienced this in your life, making sure that you're concrete about it. And you're like, yes, like, you know, I'm very accepting of it. And, you know, I'm good. And now I'm, I'm ready to help maybe others. Fred puts on a training. So we obviously go through, you know, basic counseling training, and it helps create like, you know, the right words to say the right, the right stuff to do. Um, and if you do get into certain scenarios or situations, so they do give you some prep in terms of if, if things, you know, this is what to expect and this is maybe the tools you could use to help people. And then on the other side of things, you know, if, if people aren't ready or if people aren't, um, aren't seeking those answers, we could only just tell them that we are there to help. And, you know, we, we obviously are, are non-biased. We don't judge. We're very, um, it's all, it's all in sort of confirmation. Nothing's all confidential. So there's no information that's shared or whatever. And it's essentially just conversations where people uh, can talk and ask questions with what they're curious about in terms of uh, their diagnosis, their medications, their side effects, uh, their surgeries. It, it's, it really can range from the entire extent of, of your cancer battle. And, and there will not be two identical situations, but there's just very common similarities that people will go through and, and kind of help you give you that sort of that first insight of, okay, this is what happened to me. This may happen to you or a little different. Okay. Awesome. So you mentioned a little earlier, you helped about four or five different people with, with going through their struggles and their treatment. Is there maybe a story or two that you've come across that has either fundamentally changed or impacted you in some way, or maybe something that made you look at cancer and, and going through it maybe a little differently? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. And um, I think, I think, you know, just providing the, the, the value that I get out of it is, is I'm helping people, you know, I'm helping others. I'm a big believer if that you could achieve anything in life, you know, you might be given a, you might be dealt, a, you know, dealt the card, uh, cards in your hand. And now it's sort of what you can do with the, those cards, right? Like, obviously, you know, once you're diagnosed with cancer, you really have to work in terms of what you can control, you know, and, and by just having a positive spirit, a positive mentality, and just always, you know, trying to look on the bright side, even given the, you know, the situation, I think is a really important, you know, aspect when, when overcoming a cancer battle. And I think the value that I get out of it is seeing like inspiration that people, you know, that there's hope, um, that I'm sort of like a walking, um, example that, you know, you can too. And it's, you know, it's, it's not like, like, you know, I'm able to sort of show that to them. So I think, I think that's sort of what I I really enjoy getting out of it, uh, helping others and seeing them really just believe in themselves that they can overcome it. And, and yeah, I think, I think just that would be probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing in terms of of those conversations I have with people. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. Everyone you probably talk to is so different and brings so much to the table. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's usually like different, you know, they have different life experiences, different diagnosis of how they, you know, started or how they, you know, came to be, you know, men and women too. So it's, it's not just one. 
it, it happens to be typically with lymphoma, you get diagnosed around, you know, your early 20s to 30s sort of thing. That's, and then it sparks back up later around 45, 50. I mean, the people that I have interacted with are somewhat around my age. And, um, and I think that also gives them a little bit more uh, comfort because we're, we're closer in, in demographic. Yeah, makes sense. Well, even like going through, going through our podcast and, and now we're sort of branching out, we're doing these interviews with other cancer thrivers and individuals. You learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about some of the journeys that you went through and some different approaches that people take because everyone's different. We, we talk to people from different parts of the world, different parts of North America. And you really just, you really learn that even just in the young adult realm that could range from so many different ages and some people have different backgrounds. So you really just do learn a little bit, a lot uh, about yourself and about the cancer, uh, the, the sort of the journey itself. And so doing what you do, I'm sure when you really get in depth with some of the people that are, that are first learning about what they're going through, I'm sure it has a, a deep impact and it really just affects you. And you, there's a lot to think about when you go through those conversations. For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Like it, it's, it can be sometimes difficult because you are, you know, you're giving them hope, but at the same time you understand what they're going through because, you know, I, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Um, I mean, it's a tough thing. It, it's, it's the number one killer. I mean, you know, it's, it's a scary thing for a lot of people, the word, you know, it, it sort of does have a lot of flashbacks in terms of bad times, but uh, in, in the, in the sense, I'm also very blessed. It's a blessing in disguise to me, at least mm-hmm. kind of, that's how I, I sort of look at it. But I, I will definitely say like when, when cancer patients or people that are going through it, when they're able to really accept that they have cancer, that's the really big turning point in, in terms of overcoming your battle understanding and accepting, yes, I have cancer and, and I'm not going to let it beat me. You just alluded to the fact that, yes, we choose to be a part of this community and we choose to give back, but that also comes at a price for ourselves. And you talked about how really emotional it can get when you see someone who's going through what you went through and you don't just understand theoretically what they're going to, you understand how they feel and the emotions that are going through them and like really a lot of it. So how do you take care of yourself when it comes to giving that much back? Yeah. And you know what, that's, that's an incredible um, question as well. Um, it's very true. Um, and, and back to sort of what I said earlier a little bit is, is you need to really take care of yourself first before you're able to help others. And, and at the same time, um, you know, post, post-cancer, post-life, there are also opportunities for you to connect with others in the network um, who are also, you know, in the same boat as you, who could also provide that morale and, you know, just among, among our first connection volunteers, like the people who are on our side of the fence, like we're obviously here to help each other. We, we all know what it's like. But I think in order to help someone before, uh, in order to help someone, um, you really need to help yourself before you can help others. But definitely, it, it can get um, it can get tough emotionally because it brings back and relives a lot of those memories. But at the same time, I look I look at it as I'm I'm reliving these to help someone because you know I remember those dark times and they're going through those dark times. So I'm just going to shed the light at the end of that dark time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just speaking with you in the past little while and just interviewing you, you seem like the type of individual self-starter kind of go-getter which is awesome and obviously it's it's a great trait to have but other than that going through this peer supporter program is there one thing that maybe you've learned about yourself that you didn't know was in you while talking to these individuals yeah um you know i think it would definitely i I grew up with with brothers 
just a brother. And so I never really had a sister or anything. And, and obviously my dad. Uh, so there was always guys in the house. And um, basically, I would say, you know, by talking, interacting with be- these people, it made me a lot more emotional. Definitely opened that side of things to me because, you know, I can, I'm really compassionate. I totally get it. And I empathize with what they're going through, you know, like, I totally get it. So in terms of, you know, breaking down the barriers a bit, like, it definitely, you know, can get you a bit emotional just because, you know, it's, it's a touch, it's a tough subject because it, it really did. It could have gone both ways, but I mean, you really have to fight to the end. You really have to like make sure that you, you, you yourself are looking at the optimistic side of things. Mm-hmm. You're not the first yeah. guy to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the organization that runs this project and that you work so closely with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada? For sure. Yeah. So um, basically, I would say uh, Fred, who runs the First Net, um, First Connection program, it's it's basically across Canada. It's it's right now um, a one to one peer support network where it, it gives you that one designated uh, cancer survivor or um, I guess you could say first connection volunteer to reach out to. So you would always be given that one person until, until the sort of time is up. And then basically, yeah, it would pair you with someone who is exactly the same diagnosis that you had. So we have, you know, many, many, many people in our database who have gone through one of the blood cancers that are, there's so many of, you know, there are people who have gone through what you have gone through and no matter the rarity of it, that's obviously a very you know strong thing to to know because even though obviously like one cancer is very similar, it could be very different in certain aspects of side effects. And then I would I also want to mention that the other big thing of of the Lymph, uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada that I'm part of is the Next Generation Committee, and that's uh, ran by uh, Tanya, Tanya and Laura actually. And basically, the the Next Generation Committee is um, uh, a committee of 10 to 15 young professionals uh, that we come together basically and and we we essentially are broken down into different departments and segments of the LLSC Um, and we basically are contributing to helping provide awareness uh, generating funds and um, and basically helping to end blood cancer awesome all right and you're part of this next generation program right that's right yeah and I'm right now for that I'm I'm the co-head of the education committee so part of the light the night part of the light night light the night stuff and you know developing further channels at certain universities because because this age group is is highly affected by sort of lymphoma or the you know that kind of cancer um it's good to provide that awareness right in the post-secondary um grounds because that's sort of the age groups yeah makes sense so looking even just on the website of uh leukemia and lymphoma society of canada there's a lot of info to go through it can be overwhelming but it takes a really comprehensive approach to self-advocacy. And even one of the links you sent me before we started discussing, I just read what we, I went through and self-advocacy being basically um, what's before, what's during, what's after treatment, some of the treatment options, they go through like chemotherapy and radiation, um, what remission is and things like that. So are you a fan of this comprehensive approach to self-advocacy? Do you think it's important? And, and if you do think that's the case, then why? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think given the information in front of you is, is really important. Uh, I remember when I was first going through my, my battle, I was like a Google, you know, crazy Google guy, you know, like I was like inputting all these questions. What is this? You know, how is this? What do I got to do with that? You know? So, I mean, it's new for you, right? You, you, do, you don't really know 
what cancer is until you go through it, you know? Um, it's really crazy, but I've, I've even asked some of my, or some of my friends were questioning. They're like, hey, like, what, what exactly did you have to go through? Like, what, is, what was the, the treatment process like? you know and um i think that kind of stuff is you wouldn't really know until you go through it or you had someone directly affected by it having i guess this comprehensive approach i think is a good thing in terms of it really focuses and hones in on on your diagnosis and what you can expect instead of you know going crazy on google and finding all these you know scary results maybe but they do have like a lot of really great stats too that just you know this is you know in terms of survival rates or that kind of stuff, because those those are typical questions that you look look at is what is the survival rate of what I got, right? Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, they have a, the whole comp- comprehensive, you know, outline. I guess you could say is I, I look at it as a plus just because the the questions are really they're there for you. The the answers are there for you with those questions that you're maybe asking or looking at. And then they also have a lot of additional resources that you can leverage or or look towards. But I do remember just having having to go through Google and just go on rapid fire in terms of finding these questions. And, and I didn't know about the LSC until after, really. So that's where I, I maybe would have used those resources or checked the site a little more because they were able to answer some of the stuff I was looking for. Makes sense. Yeah. So all of these beautiful programs and different ways to get involved, really how does someone who's maybe a little more or a little past their active treatment phase or the the beginning of their experience, how can they get involved as volunteers? Yeah, so there's actually so many different ways. Um, Light the Night would be a really great start, I think. Um, If you haven't gone to Light the Night Walk, definitely go check it out. There's many different, um, you know, uh, chapters across Ontario and and the Canada. I would say that would be like a good entry event to check it out and see what we're all about. And then after that, you could talk to Tanya or Fred and they they will 100% be able to find you if you are interested in helping or volunteering, um, for sure, they'll definitely be able to help you find a position that would fit for you. Yeah, for sure. And I can attest to that again. Light the Night was fantastic. It's sort of an easy approach to getting involved. It's, uh, it's, it's not too complicated. It's not too daunting. And we'll even add Fred Ho's information. He's fantastic in the, in the end notes for the podcast because he's someone that kind of we got in contact with. That's how we started talking here. And and he's just, he's a great guy. He likes to talk, but at the end of the day, a lot of what he says is true. So I, I mean, you can't really fault him for that. He's, he's a really great guy. So we'll get, we'll get everyone involved who wants to get involved in that. Basically what we want to know at the end of the day is, it was a lot of information you gave us and that's fantastic kind of reaching out and, and discussing the first connection program. How can people get in contact with the LLC and the programs that they share? And maybe how can they get in contact with you if they have any questions? Yeah. So um, with me, if they have any questions, I can leave you uh, my email for sure. And people could reach out at any time, regardless, um, or they could obviously follow me on Twitter, Instagram. So that's for sure my source of communication. And then if they're interested in getting in touch with, with Fred and Tanya, I'll definitely provide you uh, their emails as well. Uh, or they could even call um, one of the, um, the major provincial uh, lines there, uh, and they would be able to redirect them for sure to, uh, to Fred or Tanya or Laura even. That's perfect. Yeah. And then, like I said, at the end of the podcast, we'll drop the show notes and, uh, and we'll have all that information for everyone just in case, but I'm just glad that you had the opportunity to talk to us and, and uh, are willing to, 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 to answer these questions just in case anyone does reach out and, and wants to get involved. Totally. Yeah. No worries at all. If you guys need anything else, I'm around, uh, I'm available. I really appreciate being on the show. It's been awesome. Like great conversation. I loved it.
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. In today's episode, Gabrielle and I discuss the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada with a peer supporter of that very same program, Stefan Pietrobono. We discuss a little bit about his cancer experience and how he became a peer supporter for the First Connection program of the LLSC. He discusses why and when it started and how he himself got involved, what it means, how it's funded, and a lot of the impacts of the program on its users. We discuss how being a cancer thriver has impacted the way he sees the world and how he, moving forward, wanted to benefit others. He discusses a little bit about some of the stories and impacts that he created from his own personal experience. And he tells us a little bit more about the organization that is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, how he personally got involved, how the comprehensive approach to treatment and self-advocacy is the main priority of the organization, and how, moving forward, how other thrivers can get involved as volunteers or as peer supporters themselves. He leaves his contact information and he is a great source to use moving forward for anyone looking to get involved and looking to help others. This ends episode 91, Peer Support, an interview with Stefan Pietrobono from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. I would like to thank again Stefan for being on the show. Also, I did include his contact information as well as the information for you to contact the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada in the show notes if you want to get in touch with this wonderful organization. A big thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Before you go, just a quick reminder, if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, or if you simply want to share your story with us, please do reach out through the Soar Above Cancer website, as well as our social media platforms, which are, as always, linked in the show notes. Many, many smiles to you and see you next week. Bye.